0: Welcome to the 2017 Bald Move Awards, the Baldies, the fourth annual Baldies. That's uh, a lot of years. That's a lot of years. It's it's it's, it's this joke has gone on long farther <laughs> than I anticipated. It's turned into an annual event. Jim and I are wearing our our fanciest uh, tuxedo T-shirts to mark the occasion. Uh, I know I always promise to do bigger and better things this uh, each year. Uh, I think next year the fifth annual. Like, I don't, I don't sure if we'll have enough swing to get like an actual physical location and, and, and have people come and dress up. But by God, I got to get a golden bust of Patrick Stewart commissioned. Mm-hmm. And I got to get the previous winners engraved upon that base. And if not, I feel like I'll feel like a fucking failure. That's the bare minimum. This year, the way we plused it is we added write in categories for the user choice on the, the six main categories. Uh, we got fancier envelopes to rip open uh Jim actually does not know the community winners so there'll be a, a little bit of a surprise there and uh yeah so this is this is the Baldies Award this is the an awards show that is just as terrible and arbitrary and capricious as all other award shows with the small caveat of it only contains stuff that Jim and I have seen that is mm-hmm. the Bald Move Awards in a nutshell it doesn't have stuff like if if there's the best, this is not the best comedy. This is the best comedy we've both seen. This is not the best drama. It's the best drama that we've both seen. Now, some of the bigger categories, I think they're one and the same. Like our dramas are going sure, to be, we cover
1: a lot of really good shows.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm going to not be embarrassed by our choice of like dramas or movies. Uh, comedies, eh, I don't know. I mean, and we also got some fun categories that, that that Jim and I just come up with and nobody votes on. Uh, but again, they're just as arbitrary and capricious as any other award show. Uh, Is there anything else we want to say? Oh, yes, you might have questions, like, why did Jim and Aaron rank this thing over that thing? Or why did Jim and Aaron think this actor did a better job than this other actor? And I will say, we have potentially over a dozen hours of deliberations on all these categories where we actually recorded us coming up with these lists and arguing and wrestling and making cases, and they're all... Uh, they're all po- individual podcasts They are um, kind of grouped together by categories So if you want to know like what we had to say About the best drama, there'll be one of those Or maybe the actors are all packaged together um, And they those will be In your Firehose feed So if you don't know what a Firehose feed is Go to baldmove.com, click on podcast And there'll be an option to get all the podcasts uh, you can check that out there. Probably in the Bald Move TV.
1: I think so, yeah. Probably in the um, Bald Move
0: TV category, too. So if you want to subscribe to that feed, you can get them. Or listen in, uh, on the, the, the website. Or watch it on the website, because this is uh, this is free video. The rare, premium, non-premium video. And you can see us in our fanciest tuxedo shirts. Uh, and there
1: are categories in there that we aren't actually presenting today. So yeah. um, that we talk a little bit about the meta of television uh, over the course of last year. Um in regards to a few different things and we also talk about like notable exceptions that were not right. on this list for various reasons and why right um so there's a lot of stuff in those deliberations that you will not get uh, unless you go listen to it, This is
0: the award show. This is not, all that stuff is the tech, the technology and, and what do they call that? The, like that, that's where the nerds show up the, the day before the Oscars. Oh yeah. If you get the best special effect for an alien's forehead glistening. Uh huh. Uh, those are the, those, that that stuff's in the nerd categories that you're not going to get uh, at the gala event. Uh, so let's get right into it. These, these envelopes are burning holes in our pockets. Do you want to open up the first one?
1: Uh, sure. I'll do that. Please please read the category and uh, the 2017 Bald Move Award for Best Bald Movie. So bald movies,
0: again, This is these are not the movies that came out in 2017. These are the movies that came out that we watched as a first-run bald movie. Right. Uh, wait, wait, wait! The nominees in alphabetical order, uh, almost, okay. almost, almost. We're just by, by the seat of I our just, pants. I'm on just this. itching
1: to get this. I know they're open burning
0: now. holes in our pockets. <laughs> I've established this in our tuxedo pockets. They're not, we're not going to get the deposit back in these tuxedo T-shirts. Uh, Baby Driver, Blade Runner 2049, The Disaster Artist, Dunkirk, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, it. John Wick, Chapter Two, Logan, Spider-Man: Homecoming, and Wonder Woman. That is uh, the top ten bald movies in no particular order. Actually, alphabetically, alphabetically, particular
1: order. <laughs> the winner is. Well, that that was a that's a poor rip. This is this is me rip. floundering on stage. Come on, Warren Beatty, get it together! Going, oh God, it's moonlight My fingers. And the winner is. Number one, Dunkirk. All right, twenty seventeen. Yes. Christopher Nolan, Dunkirk. Okay,
0: let's go to let's go to the video screen to see the breakdowns here. Uh, nice. So number one is Dunkirk. Number two, Blade Runner. Number three, Baby Driver. Number four, It. Number five, Logan. Uh, let's talk about our rationale here. Uh, mm-hmm. You can see an italicized the top the top ten rounded out. Number six, Disaster Artist. Number seven, Spider Man. Number eight, Guardians Two. 6 or 9 John Wick 2, uh 10 Wonder Woman.
1: Um how's their how's our top 5 shake out here, Jim? Uh do you, where do you want to start? I mean the I can talk about the rationale for number 1 certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Um so Dunkirk was uh telling a very interesting and compelling story. Um in the film and also the way it structured the film was mm-hmm. so impressive um with the three different I guess, scales of time all coming together at the very end um, made it, in my opinion, one of the most exciting. It was extremely well acted. Uh, like I said, the the story was great. I mean, the story is real life, too. So, right. uh, yeah, I, I think everything about Dunkirk just added up to an excellent package for me. Yeah. No, it's
0: great. And it's something that I didn't, you know... Uh, U.S. history, surprise, surprise, uh, kind of begins with uh, if you're taught in high school, it kind of begins with the you know D-Day invasion in uh-huh. uh, World War II. So like seeing the prelude to essentially the Battle of Britain um, and the, the desperate evacuation of this this British Expeditionary Force in the face of being hammered between the advancing Nazis and uh, the the Atlantic Ocean. Um, was pretty pretty powerful. The English
1: channel, I should I should say. Yeah. Um, I think for the others, uh, check the deliberations. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. If you yeah, want yeah. the rationale on numbers two through ten, now, let's talk about community. Uh, this uh, is what not, are we running a, a popularity contest here? This, people, we are the
0: community. The really the community ah, choice literally is a, a, a. So this was a this was a poll that we opened for one week uh, to let people um, nominate their choices. Number one choice, not surprisingly, Star Wars Episode Eight the last Jedi at 21% of the community vote. Mm. Um, I mean, I disagree. I don't think star Wars even made her top 10. Um, I was, you, you liked the movie more than me. Uh, but I also think your art your, 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 it's, it's a bit cooled off after mm-hmm. you've thought about it. Yeah. I, uh, you know famously, I saw it twice and recorded a podcast on it um, but it it's i i 'm not going to begrudge anyone for liking that movie and, I and wish I, wonder, I was in your among your ranks
1: I do wonder how much of the community vote is based on purely the movie and how much it is based on the podcast because I know people really enjoyed the podcasts That's that 's true we did, and we did two true. of them so, That's true um that could definitely be an influencer here. But, but
0: no, I wish I was with you. I wish I, I, I need to find a dead rebel uniform on the beach, s- s- strip into it, and then try to hide out amongst you while we <laughs> evacuate to the salt planet. Uh, Logan at 15%, you know, comic book movies do well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Logan was a damn fine comic book movie. It hit our top five. It's 15% in the community vote. Dunkirk got 10%, probably on the strength of it just being great. It's probably yeah. the probably the best if you want to talk, you know, subjective, objective – movie movie standards of the bald movies baby driver is a hell of a lot of fun was number 3 in our list at 8% and blade runner 2049 at 7% honestly uh the community and us are at 1 except for star wars
1: and it and it yeah
0: yeah they did the, it the the, the the scary scary it movie uh, did, didn't make it mm-hmm. um okay so let us continue with a non envelope category uh this is going to be the biggest miss Biggest the miss. Biggest Miss is an annual category where Jim and I look back and say, oh, God damn it! we should have done a podcast on this if we'd known it was going to be as good or popular or interesting uh, or various other reasons we would have done that. So uh, we're going to do this in reverse. We're just going to talk about the number five and work our way up. Uh, number five, you want to take this one, Jim? No, I don't have it. You in don't have me. notes in front of you? Okay.
1: No. <laughs> uh, let me switch over here and here we go. There we go. Number five? Yeah. Hidden Figures. Oh, yeah. I saw this last year after it came out. For one reason or another, I don't think we could make it to uh, our bald movie that night. Yeah, there was, was some airing. kind of... I, I, don't, I don't know if it was is that or if it just like a, a conflict where we
0: thought, well, this was maybe the better movie, but there was a bigger, more popular movie. Yeah. However we did it, we fucked up because that was a great, great movie. Right.
1: And I didn't end up seeing it for like a couple weeks and until a couple weeks after that. and By then, it was, you know... Uh, here and gone so um, we never did a podcast on this one and I always felt like it was such a good movie and I felt like it was kind of an important movie in a lot of ways and we just didn't get to covering it
0: right and it's a great it's also a great you know um, I guess retort to a lot of people saying that like oh racism's been over for so long right like did we go to the moon a long time ago if you say we didn't if it's it's fairly recent in human history then there is just some blatant crazy ass racism that these women had to overcome to by the way calculate figures to put men in the orbit and on the moon Mm -hmm. so yeah um and it's hidden figures it's it's a it's a double meaning because it's also the hidden role that these women uh have played in the in the the history of the space race so yeah it's pretty good uh biggest myths number four star trek discovery Mm -hmm. i don't feel like we're at fault here if star trek had came out when it was supposed to come out Uh we've been all over that star trek came out towards the end of the year when we were completely swamped and up to our ass and various alligators and crocodiles
1: uh also if if voyager and enterprise had been any good we'd be all over it (laughs) true there there was a lot of expectation here of of it not being very good right
0: this is the long-awaited heir to a previous unbroken chain of pristine quality (laughs) right there would have been a little bit more hype. But Star Trek Discovery, in retrospect, was really good and would have been really interesting and a pretty popular podcast. And uh, we done we done fucked up. Uh, number three, The Expanse. Mm. We did do a series of three or four bald move TVs on this with our, yep. our buddy Levi. But I think The Expanse is the heir to the somewhat broken... Uh, uh star trek legacy of quality science fiction it's it's it, it's unbelievably good and has no business being that good on the sci-fi network yeah this 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 shares airtime with sharknado seven and z nation and mm-hmm. then the best hard science fiction since maybe babylon five um mm-hmm. since since Bab- since since battlestar it's battles- okay. even yeah. battles, even uh, battles- Star's not that.
1: this hard, hard. Sci-fi. Sure, I, I would agree with that. Though,
0: um, if you're a science fiction fan at all, you've got you you owe it to yourself to check out the Expanse. I believe you can watch the first two seasons free on both Amazon and Hulu. Check it out and see if we're wrong. This is it's 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 essentially set 150 years into the future where the solar system, like Mars and the outer belt, has been colonized. And it's a it's it's the Game of Thrones for our solar system. Mm-hmm. The political intrigue between the different planets and asteroid belters is is just really cool. Uh, Twin Peaks. Um, this is a tough one because you had no desire to get any in, in any of this. We. No watched Twin Peaks the first one the first couple episodes because it was a commissioned podcast and I immediately was intrigued with the premise and uh, the 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 craziness of the television and how it was that crazy back in the 90s um and I started watching a new series and I fully intended to have like a rotating list of uh well regarded bald move commentators to do this with me and again it it I just ran out of time I ran out of time and I feel like that would have been a really big hit for us and I, I done fucked up uh number one the deuce mm-hmm. the deuce we should have known it was david simon it was uh it was a chance to get in on the ground floor of perhaps the next wire and why didn't we do that was another
1: just like it's, too, it's just too late in the year and we yeah there, there was so much else on it came out when i think it came out when mr robot walking dead and finishing up season two of game of thrones we're Game of Thrones we're all yeah, we're all happening at the same yeah. time. So
0: we were like kind of like full capacity. Uh but that would have been a great one. We did record two or perhaps three the Deuce uh Bald Move TV segments, mm-hmm. which I thought were turned out pretty good. Uh and we'll see how the schedule. These are all things that we if the schedule had been a little bit different, we would have covered and perhaps should have covered. Okay. Next big category, I'll open this one if you do not mind. Uh this is the twenty seventeen Bald Move Award for Best Commission Podcast, the nominees in no particular well in, in alphabetical alphabetically particular order. Uh, American Gangster, The Dark Knight, Jackie Brown, Master and Commander, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, Star Wars Return of the Jedi, Terminator II, Judgment Day, There Will Be Blood, The Wicker Man. And Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh my goodness! Who is going to win the the the, 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 the pulse pounding mystery of this of the whole thing? We've got uh, for the winner. There will be blood.
1: Oh, it's the best
0: commissioned podcast in 2017, according to Jim and I. Uh, let's go to the big screen to to look at our options here. So. Uh, our top 5 was I feel like we need to play clips. That that's how we get plus That's next this year thing. plus next is year. we need
1: clips from these movies yeah. from Yes, you're absolutely right. That maybe would be awesome. Maybe with our faces on the actors instead of the real actors.
0: <laughs> can we do the thing where we cut out our lips and we just do yeah. do, do,
1: do, yeah. do lines from Yeah, I can't wait till we do hidden figures and <laughs> oh no.
0: digital digital blackface. Shit. Yeah, let's do that. Um Maybe not the greatest Maybe idea. clips. Maybe yeah. clips is clips. the best way to show respect for these things that we love. Uh there will be blood. Um Mm-hmm. There Will Be Blood was shockingly good. It's one of those things where it's it's like a hundred year old bottle of wine that I had set around for a special occasion and someone commissioned it, and I brought it off the shelf and I'm like, well, I know this is going to be fucking awesome, and it was that much better than I even thought it was going to be. Yeah, it's 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 it instantly I recognized it as uh like a Godfather level. I watched it twice during for the commission. I've watched it again since then. Uh, and I'll be watching it probably dozens of more times before I shuffle off this mortal coil. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, one of the most talented visionary directors we have, combined forces with Daniel Day Lewis, probably the greatest uh, living actor that we have. Uh, it was it was it was awesome. I thought the podcast was pretty good too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, this category we should say is very much a blend of media enjoyment. We actually have a scale called the SFIM Index, where it's the surprise factor, the fun factor, the interest, and the media quality. You can see us go into that on the deliberations. And, uh, you know, the the cool thing about um, There Will Be Blood is it managed to score pretty high in a surprise factor, because, again, I was surprised at just how jaw-droppingly good this movie is. Everyone should stop and watch it if you haven't yet. Uh, Number two, American Gangster. Again, this is one that we should have known was good, but like it's one of those Ridley Scott films that kind of came out, and you know, it has uh, it has um, uh, shit. I've Denzel, fucking, Washington. Denzel Washington in it and Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe in it, and it's about you know a true crime. It's about um, this one particular man named Frank who takes over the drug trade in New York uh, very creatively. Uh, using some some connections he built in the, during the Vietnam War, and it's just it's just a great period piece. It's a great crime film, uh, and it's uh, again pretty good podcast. Number three, Willy Wonka and a Chaka Factory. This was just an hour or so of me and Jim brutalizing Grandpa Joe. Yeah, g- giving him what he deserved, it in was, my mind. It was it was a loose, fun c- podcast. It was a riot in the streets. It was it was open season on Grandpa Joe Day, and we had a lot of fun doing it. Uh, for Master and Commander, I recused myself for most of these deliberations because th- I'm so far in the tank for this movie, but what really pleased me was how much my... Friend enjoyed the movie and that was a delight uh, for me and it's a it's a great it's a great film mm-hmm. if you're interested I mean it's I would say if you're interested in sailing if you're interested in period stuff if, it's just a really good film about a very peculiar way to live your life a few hundred years ago that seems insane yeah. it's, it, they were the astronauts of their day except for they shot at each other right if they succeeded in what they were doing the other team dies and sinks like it's 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 insane uh, and five Jackie Brown. Uh, the rare tarantino film that i had not seen yet uh and it was it was a goodie
1: yeah it was everything i hoped uh let's talk about are, com- are, are we going through each of these in the categories what do you mean um like when we when we announce the winner we're not we're talking about all the the nominees the top five i think so that's what okay we,
0: that, that's what we're doing um the for community we just didn't
1: do that in the first category which confused me
0: oh sorry okay. well we don't have
1: to because we do, we do deliberation. I, I mean, we have all the
0: deliberations. This is which something is you don't see at the Oscars, where the yeah. presenters are just like, "Are, are we? Are we in doing the this right?" Actually, you did last year. You did see that. It was pretty high profile. Oh yeah. Uh, The community, uh, no surprise, The Dark Knight, 14%. That's a great popular movie that we did a really good podcast. I think we did a good podcast in.
1: I am kind of surprised at that. Really? I I thought Willy Wonka would be higher on this list, honestly.
0: Uh, The Dark Knight got 14% of the vote. Star Wars Return of the Jedi. Star Wars Pride continuing to run strong among among the bald movement. Uh, Got 11%. That was a fun podcast. Uh, That was number nine on our list. Uh, We did it live down in Huntsville in front of uh, some fans, and uh, Star Wars is always a good time to talk about. Um, There Will Be Blood, 9%. The quality cannot be denied. Reservoir Dogs, just under that, uh,
1: also 9%. Not the Tarantino movie I expected to see.
0: Yeah, true. But I don't know. Like, I can... Reservoir Dogs is just because it's like such a... um, It's it's got so much of the DNA of what's to come. Yeah. Um, And then Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, because everybody loves taking cheap shots at they're fucking not, grandpa joe they're not joe. cheap they're warranted those shots. Yeah. they're yeah. warranted shots at grandpa joe absolutely uh all right so great job for all to for, to there will be blood and the dark night uh and we will we will we will be moving on yeah uh here's an interesting one best podcast for a show we didn't watch oh okay uh, huh. Jim, would you like to tell the people a little bit about what uh, there is there's a single single yeah, entry The nominee are, are, are in no particular order. Uh number one, Riverdale. Uh the winner is Riverdale. Riverdale, yeah. There are probably <clears throat> Give it up for Riverdale, everybody. There are probably a lot of people here listening to this podcast that have no fucking clue what we're talking about. Jim, right. can you describe to us the Riverdale project,
1: Ra-Ra Riverdale? So th- there were there were actually two podcasts that we used to cover Riverdale, um, the first being Ra-Ra Riverdale, mm-hmm. uh, which was an attempt by us to cover a show that we literally did not watch. Um, mostly true. We watched the pilot just mm-hmm. to get in the right frame of mind, and then... From there on out, we covered the entire season, mm-hmm. and uh, except for maybe the last episode, yeah, <laughs> intentionally. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we would watch the previously ons, watch the next time ons, uh, and then do a podcast based entirely on that footage. Yeah. Uh, and the resulting podcast is just a train wreck shit show. Uh-huh. Um, somewhere along along the way, we decide to make all the worst podcaster mistakes uh-huh. um, of like new podcasters intentionally. Yep. And it just it went off the rails, in, I think <laughs> a truly glorious way. I loved it because
0: like so uh, some of the things we wanted to do because we didn't have any particular goals for the experiment, um, but we thought it'd be funny if people. Would because cause we did experiment with the club. We essentially mm-hmm. did it in our VIP forums. We told people what we we're going to do. And then we used that to get a lot of positive reviews on our terrible podcast. Like we had hundreds yeah. of positive reviews. And but we also got a few like really angry ones because we obviously don't know what we're talking about. We got some feedback along those lines. It was it was just really fun. We did pseudonyms as Al and Joe podcast on Janus uh who are just like you know just out there and 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 trying to trying to do this thing. Um it was fun. It yeah. was fun. Uh we record we we had video recordings of us actually recording it because it was a side splitting sometimes experience to just riff on what th- things might be happening.
1: Yeah. Uh we, and we recorded a second podcast called Har Har Riverdale which yes. was only available to club members. Um and only if you had like the direct link to the feed that yeah we, yeah, yeah. We, it was all out of forums yeah and and so on that podcast we got we got on the mics and we talked about the experience of recording raw yeah. ra Riverdale yeah, you know yeah, yeah. why what were we thinking when we made these jokes and uh, you know why were we doing the certain things and it was all like riffing and brainstorming and coming up with the ideas for next week's show you know yeah. so like play. 15 minutes of of reviews Uh or or to maybe like skip entirely the final episode like a lot of things we should go back developed in that podcast because there's been
0: a season since i wonder like what the itunes because and we were (laughs) like we left as the highest rated most rated podcast so i imagine a lot of people in season two tried us out Uh like i bet there's a lot of uh return to mean reviews on this thing oh Um, i'm sure Especially since we stopped doing it. But, yeah, if, if that seems remotely funny. We just did it as a funny social experiment. It's all uh, – I mean, the, the, you, you can get the – if you search for Ra-Ra Riverdale, like, I, I don't even know if it's on Bald Move. We we hosted it off of Bald Move. It's not available um, on Bald Move. If you search for Ra-Ra Riverdale, you should be able to find it, no problem. It's on iTunes. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you have to dig for it in the club for for Har Har. Yeah. Um, Okay, we are back to the red envelopes. Jim, I believe it's your turn. Oh, boy. Uh, We are going to open up the best comedy? Is that what we're going for here? That's correct. All right. Best comedy. You want to read the nominees? Uh, The nominees, in particular alphabetical order, uh, is Always Sunny in Philadelphia. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. American Vandal, the Netflix original. BoJack Horseman, season four, also Netflix original. Glow, also Netflix original. Lady Dynamite, also Netflix original. And last week, tonight... Definitely not a Netflix HBO, original. HBO, John Oliver show on HBO. Uh, Love, also a Netflix original. Mystery Science Theater 3000, The Return, also a Netflix original. Rick and Morty on Comedy Central, Adult Swim, and Tour de Pharmacy, also on HBO. Those are your nominees. Who is the winner for the 2017 Best Comedy...
1: The winner is the envelope. It's defeating me every time. <laughs> <laughs> they are too fancy. They're, they're too, too fancy. fancy. The, the, the thread count, the fiber counts are too high. And too damn w- high. The winner of the 2017 Bald Move Award for Best TV Comedy goes to Lady Dynamite. Lady
0: Dynamite. The best show about a potentially a uh, person struggling. The uh, best comedy show about a person struggling with mental illness uh, ever made, perhaps. I don't know. I haven't seen. I'm not an expert at it. Let's, uh, let's go to the big screen to, to discuss the detailed results. Uh, okay, so we had so – uh, uh, this is the, the one that I was really curious about as far as um, kid, the community was involved because we don't watch a lot of comedies, primarily because For- comedies are very hard to do podcasts on. Right. These are kind of things that we watch our own, own time. I thought Lady Dynamite was an amazing show when it first came out. About Maria Bamford and her kind of breakdown getting famous in Hollywood, and then season two was the concept of what would season one like making. Uh, so, so season two is a tongue-in-cheek telling of the making of season one, and the show within the show is called Maria Bamford's Fucking Nuts. It, it's just it's just really funny, and it's 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 really got our hooks in. Cecily and I like we quote it all the time. Um, it's pretty great. Uh, similarly, Bojack Horseman. Another show about that the, the deals with a lot of topics of mental illness and alternative—I don't know—ways to look at things. And it's about a guy with a horse for a head who was in a very famous TV show in the eighties or nineties, and now he's kind of washed up has been. Uh, and then you got Rick and Morty, which everybody knows about. Mm-hmm. Uh, American Vandal, which is a is a very good satire of Serial, the podcast, Making a Murderer, and Jinx. Mm-hmm. like the rush of true crime documentaries and podcasts uh and it's set in a high school about a man about a a, 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 a young man expelled for spray painting 22 dicks on the teacher's cars in a teacher's parking lot and then always sunny uh who had kind of sagged and been flagging the last few years i caught back with a returning uh a stunning return to form this season or last year's season uh let's talk about the community um Yeah, the community results are not too surprising. Rick and Morty won at 24% of the vote. Yeah. Here is where the other category shined. Um, Mm -hmm. 16% of the vote for comedy went other than the suggestions that that Jim and I made. Mm -hmm. The Good Place got 32% of that vote. Veep got another 10% of the other category. Master of None, 6%. I've... Veep is a show that I wa- background watch because my w- my wife watches it, and it's not my cup of tea, but I understand why it's good and why people like it. The Good Place, I've heard so many good things from so many different people whose opinions yeah. I respect. I feel like i got to w- check it out now. Yeah. Uh, the Master of None also um, has a reputation of being very good. Last Week Tonight, 11%. Silicon Valley, 8%. BoJack Horseman, 7%. I did not
1: Uh, think Silicon Valley had a very strong year. I didn't either,
0: but it is popular. Sure, it is popular, and it is popular probably in one of the core bald move demographics: Uh, young, young, nerdy men. Mm -hmm. That's that's the demographic we fall into. Unfortunately, it didn't fall into our top our top ten. Shall we move mosey on down to another category? Yeah. I mean, good. let's let's like, you know, let uh, we don't have any commercial breaks, we don't have any uh, getting up and getting cocktails. Let's just, get, just keep getting right to it. Uh, let's see, I got to stage up the next one best debut slash pilot. So this is a category where we essentially say, what is the best rookie show? And of those rookie shows which had, like, you know, the, uh, a particularly fine pilot. You know, we think of, yeah. like, the Breaking Bads, mm-hmm. um, a pilot that just grabs you and demands that you keep watching. The opposite of, like, a slow burn. Mad Men would be a great example of a slow burn. Mm-hmm. Um so the nominees? Well, no, the nominees. We we don't do this in this category. Uh, let's
1: go the, the bottom up. Uh, number five, American Vandal. Um, yeah, I, I wonder if that is going to be a debut season or if that is just. I hope they don't the, try the end of it. If they come back, it's going to be a shoe in for our highest stakes,
0: biggest risk category, which we'll get to in a minute. Because yeah. there's no need. There's no. You guys right. should just. Take your uh, talents and and skewer something else with it because you 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 can't do it any better than what you did. Mm-hmm. Uh, American Gods, um, American Gods, is an extremely interesting and well made show that pushes the boundaries of what you can do on television in terms of sexuality and violence. Um, that's not to everyone's taste, but it is to my tastes and a lot of things that like I even thought long term like. It's anno- funny it's not even annoying it's just funny things I like to point out like you you almost you will never see an erect penis on hbo you get an erect penis like right off the bat on american gods uh, what network is that on uh that is on stars hmm. which okay. is a premium channel that is like you know but it's like the you know the tier beyond like hbo and Cinemax. right so. uh number three the young pope
1: Do you want to talk about the young pope yeah, the young pope. Um, uh, again, I. It's definitely going to be the best debut for the show because it will have another season. What that looks like, we don't quite know yet. But the young pope was surprising in a lot of ways to me. Um, first of all, th- the the previews made it seem like it was going to be bonkers, and it turned out to be it was exactly that. But it was more than that too, which it, it's is also had a serious intellect like side. It, it,
0: it is bonkers. It's also beautiful. It's yeah. also thought-provoking.
1: Absolutely. Um, and all those things kind of combined to me to make one hell of a season of TV. And
0: the pilot in particular, like, I, I remember watching, and I see Jude Law dressed up as the Pope, and he crawls from underneath mm-hmm. a mountain of babies Yeah, to give this crazy homily as the sky opens up. And I'm, like, instantly... This is the this is the coolest, craziest thing that I've seen, and we we covered this as a lark, mm-hmm. just to kind of fuck around in early January, January and February of last year, when you know right like right now we're in kind of a content, uh, what's the opposite of a glut? Drought. A drought. A no. content drought. Yeah, that's con- good. Con-
1: content fire hose. A waterfall. Uh, the glut. The glut, I guess. We don't, there's not much, a yeah. lot. There's not a lot going on in January, is what I'm saying. Oh, oh, you're talking about now. Yeah, yes. uh,
0: and it just it it, it delighted and astounded. And it was a great show.
1: Yeah, uh, and that that show is so weird because it kept me. It it kind of went counter to a lot of the way that TV is programmed now, where they want to keep you guessing with the questions you have and like the twist they give you. Mm-hmm. This show doesn't do that. This show kind of goes the other direction mm-hmm. with it and says, "We're just going to lay it all out for you." And you're going to think the twists are coming, and the twists don't come, which <laughs> is kind I, it of itself me, a twist, right? Exactly, exactly. It kept me engaged in a way that um, a lot of those like, "Ooh, what's going to happen next?" kind of uh-huh. shows don't anymore, right? Because yeah. I'm always looking for that next twist. And then twists, played it, on that. The
0: twists were more of like understanding layers to characters that you didn't previously appreciate, right? Um, yeah. But yeah, it's 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 a fun, it's a hilarious show. It is a uh, showed up that that is a capable of wringing profound emotions from you. Uh, it's amazing to look at. Uh, mm. If you haven't ch- checked that yet, and you got an HBO subscription, uh, pop in HBO Go and check out The Young Pope. Uh, two Handmaid's Tale. Um, Handmaid's Tale is like a real soul seer, man. It's 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 Elizabeth Olsen living in a society which essentially enslaves women for breeding stock. And if you want to see Elizabeth. Uh, Moss. I said Olson because I confused Peggy, yeah. Peggy and, and her. Uh which is a that's a that's a compliment you can play to an actor. That uh, but yeah, Elizabeth Moss, if you want to see Elizabeth Moss like push to her limits of, of what she's capable of range wise, uh you can do a lot worse than checking out Handmaid's Tale. Uh and then two, the Deuce. No. Uh, number one. sorry. <laughs> well, two is the deuce. It is literally yes. the deuce. Number one is the deuce. Uh you know, I don't know why I slept on this series because I've seen David Simon make a housing initiative in Yonkers, utterly riv- riveting. Mm-hmm. But like, there's still something about like, how is he ever going to say something important about society by analyzing the
1: burgeoning porn scene in the mm-hmm. '70s? And by God, he did. Uh, and I don't think I would really want to watch a show about the porn scene in the '70s if it wasn't created by David Simon, right? Because uh, I, I see a lot of opportunity for that to become real ridiculous, real fast. Yeah,
0: lots of sex position. Whereas, like the edict on top, if you if you look at the interviews, is like David Simon wanted any of the sexuality to be. I mean, it's it, it'd be like trying to make a sandwich factory look sexy. Yeah, like these people are working. This is their job. It's not particularly glamorous, and sometimes it's it's horrific and and gross. Um, but it does tell a story about masturbatoriums Mm -hmm. i learned some new words masturbatoriums uh was it stan was it what was the stand deliver that particular term of art where like if you were a prostitute and you could show a receipt from being arrested for the previous 48 hours the cops couldn't arrest you again yeah because else all the jails would be is full of prostitutes
1: Mm. yeah it's a great show
0: it's a great show (laughs) Um, It is. that's why it's number one in this category best debut pilot uh, David Simon and, uh, um, I always forget the, God damn it. I always forget the other guy. Um, <laughs> Pop- so, so will history.
1: <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Pecalanos.
0: <laughs> there you go. Pecalanos. Uh, you did, you did it again. Um, let us move on to the beginning of the true prestige categories. Ah, uh, yes. Best female actor. Uh, Again, in alphabetical order, the top ten was Aubrey Plaza as Lenny Busker from the FX show Legion, Carrie Coon as Nora Durst from The Leftovers, Elizabeth Moss as June Osborne slash Offred in The Handmaid's Tale, Grace Gummer as Dominique Dom DePero from Mr. Robot, Maggie Gyllenhaal as Eileen Candy Merrill from The Deuce, Elizabeth or Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Nikki Swango from Fargo. Merritt Weaver. It's fun to say. Merritt Weaver as Mary Agnes from Godless. Millie Bobby Brown as Eleven slash Jane from Stranger Things 2. Rachel Keller as Sid Barrett, also from Legion. And Rhea Seahorn as Kim from Better Call Saul. Uh, I believe it's your turn to open up an envelope. No,
1: I just destroyed this one. Did you? Yeah, it's oh, your turn. Oh, that's right.
0: You, the struggle was real. Yep. Uh, here we go. Uh, let me switch over to this. And best best female actor category for 2017. In a shocking upset, Carrie Coon is Nora Durst from The Leftovers. Very well done. Um, gee, I wonder. I wonder how the rest of the night's going to go. huh? The no, Leftovers... No I have decided is now my favorite TV show of all time. I'm making it official. It's pretty it good has pick. dethroned The Wire, um, which I didn't even know was possible when I started doing this stuff oh, so many years ago. Um, but The Leftovers managed to the, to to one up The Wire by being a very I, I think it's an important show about how we deal with grief and loss in the society in, in, in society, um, and. It's also just extremely well made, and some of the religious themes I found fascinating due to my background. Yeah, personally, I'm and saying, you know, d- holy Christ, the performances! Yeah, everybody, top to bottom in that show. It's just, just just an amazing cast with amazing writing, uh, and just just shooting the hell out of it. There's a particular scene. Where Carrie Coon at the end of a scene, like she's in a hotel that's on fire, and like the, uh, the 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 sprinkler system is flooding her, and her face is down, and it looks like tears are just yeah pouring out of her face, and, and she's just
1: had like an excruciating fight with Kevin.
0: It's it's, it's one of the most beautiful things I've seen, yeah. and it also the moment it wasn't just like like there's a lot of stuff in Young Pope that's beautiful, but it's staged to be such, right this is just like everything
1: builds up to this climactic moment and it's it's just amazing and this was one of one of her best seasons in the show i think she had a lot of good yes. stuff in previous ones but yes. this it, you know the finale of anything i think is going to be more important and impactful right. um th- than what came before and both carrie coon and all the other actors in the mm-hmm. show really nailed it and carrie coon especially yeah it's again it's my it's it's my
0: favorite show um, Maggie Gyllenhaal came in second uh, for her role as Candy on The Deuce. Um, yeah, you know she had a couple of showcase performances where she was just allowed to wind up and 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 go off, and it was pretty pretty amazing to see mm-hmm. Elizabeth Moss similarly uh, in Hands Made Tale. There was a couple. There's a scene late in the series where she just completely loses her shit at a situation that. Like it's one of those things where it starts to get hard to watch because it's like you know you're just watching a person being psychologically tormented and being complete impotent about it. It's such a frustrating show in that way. Uh, Grace Gummer really impressed as Dom on uh, Mister Robot. Uh, there again, like I feel like this was the this was the year for like women to have these showcase performances. She gets to tell uh, Darlene off in a way to where it like ver- like like there's a subreddit called Murdered by Words. <laughs> <laughs> this should be the top post on that, her, yeah. her takedown of, of Darlene and her bullshit. And then Millie Bobby Brown as eleven. Um has a lot of hard stuff to do as a kid. This young lady is scary because she is yet like thirteen years old and she's kind of reminds me a lot of a, a, like a Natalie Portman who's mm-hmm. like, How are you so good in Leon? Yeah. You shouldn't be able to, like they're like I I there's it's 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 jaw dropping how good you are in, in this role and uh really really fun to watch um what did we talk to community community yeah should we uh,
1: should we switch over to the big screen oh
0: shit i completely forgot to do that uh get to the correct category i I should i should i should do that my mouse is just all over the place um okay wrong category wrong why we
1: didn't scroll down
0: i did scroll down though maybe i didn't okay here we go um the winner is uh la la land uh, the community the community agreed with us. Fifty three percent of right. the respondents said Carrie Coon as Nora Durst from The Leftovers.
1: You know, I was starting to lose faith in our listeners, but this, this
0: brought it all back. So Never. good job, listeners. Never. I feel like I feel like <laughs> that um, our fan base collectively did like a Kanye on The Leftovers, where they're just mm-hmm. just like no, no, fifty three like fifty three percent. That's an impressive win in any category. Yeah. Elizabeth Moss got 14 an impressive 14% for Hand in Spades, uh Millie Bobby Brown 9% for Stranger her her role as 11 in Stranger Things Aubrey Plaza uh got 6% for her role as Legion which again if all you know of Aubrey Plaza is her ridiculous Robert De Niro shit and her s- scamming tickets to Hawaii and Parks and Rec it, it's 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 it, it's a it, it's a potentially career defining performance that she puts on in this crazy little show about mutants and uh, then Rea uh, Sehorn, I'm not. That's not right. It's Ray. It's Ray. Seahorn, Sehorn. I'm sorry. I do that every year. Uh, on Better Call Saul for five percent. Who did a great job. Yeah. Um. Some that, of her best work, I think, was aided in bedding by stellar editing. That certainly helped. Yeah. Um. There's a particular scene that I want to spoil in season three that is just like one of the few things that like caught me by surprise
1: in the moment. Mm-hmm. And um. But but she's great. Yeah. I think a lot of the stuff that she had to do was very subtle this year mm-hmm. um so yeah she she really nailed it
0: uh, other category in this received a scant two percent of the vote and um i think the it, there, there's for a queen elizabeth in that uh the netflix show the crown and there was one for the protagonist of uh outlander hmm. okay so there you go uh let us move on to the rest of the show because okay. I try to fumble for what mouse I'm I'm, I'm going for. Um, we're talking now about uh, the biggest surprise. The biggest surprise category. Um, and <laughs> yeah.
1: You want to start at the bottom at number yeah, five? Yeah, at number five. Okay. This is a commissioned podcast. Yeah, it's American Gangster, which uh, wouldn't be a big surprise to people who have seen it before. It shouldn't have been a big surprise to us. shouldn't have been a big surprise. It has a lot of big names attached. Um, it's a subject matter that we already know we're interested in. Uh, but just how good it was, um, and, and how little I had heard about it, you know? Like, yeah. I don't hear American Gangster talked about in the same tones as, like, the Godfather or whatever, and I kind of think it should be. Yeah, we talked in deliberations how, like, I, I mean, I can easily call this the,
0: like, the black Godfather, uh-huh. but that's kind of, like, damning it with comparison. I'm saying it's it's the black god <laughs> i don't know i mean it's just that, that to me it's very high praise to give it to give to something um right and it, it, it's it's that it's exact same feel of um very powerful head of this family some of his families are chuckleheads um some of them are, are people to take seriously it's got great performances top to bottom it's got one an, an early performance by um uh god damn it uh it's the black tower guy uh idris elba got a very early dark tower guy the black (laughs) oh my god i'm just fucking yeah i'm oh no i am a crypto racist i've i've tried to keep it under wraps for this long um but uh i done fucked up and i'm sorry i i will i will donate to the appropriate uh black charity afterwards god damn it get me out of this american gangster uh american vandal american vandal Like I vandalized racial relations in America, uh, American Vandal, the story that of, uh, of a young man who vandalized a bunch of shows or a bunch of a bunch of a bunch of fucking cars
1: with dicks. Yeah. Jim, talk for a minute. Uh, American Vandal came out of nowhere. Uh, American Vandal was not on my radar, as most Netflix shows are not. Yeah, I, I got a text from my
0: buddy saying, dude, watch American Vandal, and that's one thing things I wanted to say for its its debut category is, like, if this thing had one episode to catch me. Because, mm-hmm. like, if this thing was anything less than, than funny or interesting, I was going to be like, okay, thanks for the suggestion, jackass. I'll, I'll,
1: I'll keep my, my own counsel as a professional TV critic now. And I think the, the another reason it was a big surprise is because the trailer didn't really appeal that much to me. Yeah, uh, the trailer made it seem a little more serious on the subject that was ridiculous, but yeah. like a more serious view into it, I, and I feel like that was a failing and something that turned me off of it, and when I finally went to watch it, I'm like, this is so much better than the trailer gave it credit for. I remember the
0: like when we were watching a trailer, because that's what you do on Netflix, like, it just automatically shows right. it. Right. You can't um, not watch it. Uh, me and Cesar are debating, like, is this a real, like, I don't remember hearing this on the news, because it did look serious. I do think right. that Towards the halfway point of the trailer, it becomes clear Well, I never that, got
1: that far in, because it's like, uh, well, I'm not interested in this. Because it's,
0: like, it's like, this is either uh, a farce, or it's just... It's going to be the most ridiculous true crime I've ever heard of. Right. Um, so, yeah, huge, huge
1: surprise for me.
0: It's great. Star Trek Discovery was yeah. a big surprise, because Star Trek is pretty good.
1: It, it was pretty good, yeah, and I... I had not experienced a good Star Trek in about a decade, maybe more, I mean, even the movie, like I liked the original Star Trek uh-huh. reboots, yeah, I thought increasingly they got
0: more and more wrong headed and dumb
1: mm-hmm.
0: um and like you got to go back to Deep Space Nine for me to watch a televised Star Trek that right. I found entertaining um so Star Trek discovered the fact that it was pretty good in fact at the at the at the end of the first episode i'm like. <laughs> Star Trek doesn't have the balls to pay any of this off. It's gonna be reset yeah. button and planet of the week. Just, She'll just be a watch. captain in
1: episode two. Yep,
0: <laughs> yep. And I was shocked that they actually uh committed to those things and dug and, and the, the like like lived in the hole they dug in. Yeah. Um Yeah. It was it was a lot better. There's a c I've got minor gripes, like did like I I I think that the Klingon reimagining was stupid and needless and just, mm. just completely you know it's this this continuity is already continuity is already a Swiss cheese matrix mm-hmm. and has blew more holes in it but whatever uh, the Klingon subtitles suck too
1: but other than that I really liked it all right number two Mr. Robot again season two I did not like season two about broke us yeah so coming back with a season three I was very skeptical yeah um, thinking this might be the season that I check out i yep. might be done with the podcast and every episode it just kept getting better and right. better and better, right? Until we got to the end of the season, and I said, "Holy shit, that was a great season of TV." And I f- kind of felt chagrin that we might have turned people
0: off of Mr. Robot with their like, because I, but I do think that season two has a lot of unfortunate issues. Mm-hmm. Um, it'd be it'd be fascinating if this is all. Like, I can't wait to see when Mr. Robot's over if it all holds up and then the tale of the making of it because I would love to know what the hell Sam Esmail was thinking in season two yeah did he have like a half did, did he have like this this middle act it was like a half season long and he didn't know like he didn't wasn't sure but like you know, I, I don't know like like yeah. I, I, it, it'd be fascinating but it was surprising because it was amongst the best things we saw on television this year mm-hmm. uh, and then the young pope the biggest surprise number one because again Thought this was going to be a ridiculous show of uh, Jude Law, handsome Jude Law prancing around in pope robes. Mm -hmm. And it was totally that.
1: Yeah, and we had a lot of fun with that. (laughs) But it's also a a
0: really interesting look at 21st century faith and Christianity and what that all means Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, as as something to engage. And and that's the thing, because I I remember middle of the season thinking – asking on our, our, our bi-weekly show where we were catching up with me, you, and Cecily, like, are Catholics watching this? Because, like, as an atheist, I'm digging it, which that's why I, so I assumed that, like, serious Catholics would would eschew it. And I'm sure some did, but, like, I was surprised by how many uh, Catholics enjoyed watching it as well. So, biggest surprise of last year, the young Pope, congratulations.
1: Uh, this next category, Jim, might need a little bit of a- explaining. Highest stakes slash biggest risk. Um... This is stuff that I don't think really needed... Well, it's a lot of things. So, first of all, uh, it's a category where we say, hey, this thing didn't really need to be done, but they're going to go ahead and do it anyway. Right. And it's such a beloved thing amongst its fans that the only potential here is that it's either amazing and they mm-hmm. love it or it's less than amazing and everybody hates it like the Blues Brothers and it 2000 ruins the legacy of that franchise Blues
0: Brothers 2000 was a highest stakes biggest risk that completely fell on its face right it, it besmirched the rep the Star Wars prequels yeah anytime that something is considered like a complete thing that's amazing and someone years later decides to remake it yep um like Rick and Morty season three, Certainly high stakes, because it's so universally well-regarded that season three could not be as good, and then what Mm -hmm. does that do to reputation of the creators and the show? But it was a foregone conclusion. Yeah. It made a bunch of money. Adult Swim brought it back. Uh, Star Wars also, at this point, The Force Awakens, high stakes, big risk. Mm -hmm. Now it's just you're going to get a Star Wars every year whether you like it or not. Yeah. So... There's there's there the the risk and the stakes are kind of eliminated like eliminated largely. Yeah,
1: if you didn't like this year's, wait for next year.
0: You might like it, right? You know. So with that said, let's take it from bottom order up. Uh, Mystery size theater three thousand. Uh, Cult following for here, this thing. So there's several reasons why this is a big risk and high stakes. Number one, the original people or some of the original people are still doing this thing on riff tracks. Yeah, they're still making their livelihoods doing this thing. And this was a reboot to go back to the, 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 old, the old style, less, I guess, big block. Because that's what Riff Tracks does now. They do the, the Harry Potters and the Star Wars and the Star Treks, the big, mm. big budget stuff. Um, go back to doing just schlock. Yep. With a completely new cast, get Felicia Day in there, get Patton Oswalt to play the bads, uh, get some kind of schlubby, doughy guy to be the, the dumb yokel, get diff- recast the robots. Tons of room for controversy and this sucking, and honestly, the first one is pretty rough. Like they 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 fell into the like trying to jam too many riffs, so none of them individually land. But hmm. there's a couple of real gems, like the Italian Hercules, is like a top ten <laughs> Mystery Science Theater 3000 of all time, as far as I'm concerned. Huh. So I felt like it was a it was a high stakes, big risk
1: that completely paid off. Uh, you want to talk about John Wick too? Yeah. Yeah, number four, John Wick 2. Uh, John Wick was entirely self contained. Um, and it was incredible for what it was. It Just was not a non stop action it, it, movie. It's
0: not based on a comic book or a property. There's no real obvious no. reason why you would run this back other than to make more money right. which is always a high stakes, big risk proposition.
1: Super risky. Um, you can shit the money bed and then what are you going to do John Wick? But in this case it absolutely paid off. I thought John Wick 2 was as good as the first one and it yeah. sets up the franchise to become that you know, to become yes. a franchise as opposed to just Now a you movie. expect it.
0: Now it's, right. uh, John Wick 3 will be ineligible because yeah. we, their the risk is pre-built into the fact that they did the, the second one. Yep. Stranger Things 2. Uh, A self-contained story told extremely well by very young creators who this was the first thing they ever did. This Mm -hmm. is the thing, this passion project they've been noodling on for a decade. Now you're going to follow it up in a year's time. Go.
1: Yeah, True Detective season two. Right, Go.
0: <laughs> that's the that's the risk and
1: the stakes. It is, yeah. And they fucking they fucking nailed it. And this show trades largely on nostalgia, yes. which can grow tiring if right. it's, if it's so distilled, and it just gets forced in. Right, yeah. um, and the fact that it worked as well as it did, in in my opinion, just as well as the first season, right, is is super impressive. Yeah,
0: uh, Blade Runner is another one of the kind of the poster child for this category um blade runner 2049 Mm -hmm. you know blade runner is still widely regarded as one of the best science fiction films of all time uh it's got one of the best leading men of all time it's got just a a unique dystopian look that history did not bear out (laughs) (laughs) sure there's a version of america that uh, ridley scott was going for that did not come to pass Mm -hmm. uh why 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 fucking make a new Blade Runner yeah there's no need there and was that's no, why it's the highest stakes there's no need but they did it and it was it was not the same as the first blood Blade Runner but it's pretty fucking good
1: yeah it was really
0: good. my biggest complaint is I wish I didn't know Harrison Ford was in this movie yeah because there's no like my the biggest villain in 2017 as far as I'm concerned other if we if we take out like real life people mm-hmm. uh are the people that cut fucking movie trailers yeah Like, stop spoiling signature moments of your films that should be a surprise, like the Hulk coming out of nowhere and Thor, uh, Harrison Ford coming out of nowhere and Blade Runner. Because all of Blade Runner, I'm just waiting for Harrison Ford to come up. Right, and every scene, like fifteen minutes before it shows up, I can, I can, I can feel his footsteps in the background as he's as he's coming out of it. I can literally hear his trailer door bu- bang open, him grumbling down the steps, and him shuffling his feet to the set. Yep. And I don't want to hear that. I want to just be like, "Holy shit!" Like, imagine, like, do you remember in First Night? Like, that's a shitty schlocky movie. Mm-hmm. But when, like, or no, that's a bad example because Sean Connery was like, "I'm trying to think of a good example of like stunt casting." Where you get to the end of the movie and you're just delighted that this person is in this little cameo role,
1: yeah, yeah, I can't think of any specific examples, but we'll never get
0: that because these fuckers yeah. uh they act I don't know, I don't, well, every, I don't know. everything
1: is about nobody wants to let anything build into something great. They want it to be great immediately, Star Wars, honestly,
0: I might have liked it better if had I not known the two signature will they won't they twists that were coming. Yeah. Like I I you know again I'm not a professional trailer maker, but do better. Hmm. Number one, high stakes biggest risk. Are we just trying to shove the leftovers
1: in as many categories to get wins yeah, as we can? Uh, but I will not apologize for it. Well so it, defend this as a high stakes big risk. So season two left the leftovers in a place where it could have just been the end of the series it, and was it a, would have been incredibly satisfying it was
0: a very sad satis- and, and honestly all the seasons of the leftovers because they didn't know if they were coming back they never knew right. when they were filming whether they get renewed they all served as a self-contained series finale and would have been eminently yeah. satisfying for that
1: absolutely and and season two ended it ended really really well uh the other complicating factor here is Damon Lindelof himself because yes. of his history with lost and ending series and these mystery boxes, these that mystery he cont- boxes that he and constructs. So when when he when they announced, hey, we're going to do a season three of this, it's like you already stuck this landing. You don't want to get back up on the bars, man. Yeah, you've already get you've already got a 10 from the judges. Yeah. Uh, now, now you're just trying to go for another 10. Right. And. Huge, huge risk in my opinion. Because at even at the end of season two, it was flirting to be one of the best shows I had ever seen. Right um, now, they come back with season three, and they end up nailing it. Huge risk, but huge payoff. Especially
0: too. since you know a lot of the D- Damon Lindelof said he would never answer the central mysteries about the show that they were intentionally mysteries. Yeah, how do you wrap something up that vague and yeah? open to interpretation, how do you satisfy uh, in that? And by God, he did it. Like, and if you don't, it's potentially a career
1: killer. Yes.
0: Like, yes. that's the scary thing here. Yeah, especially if more people were watching Leftovers. But for the million or so people that watched the show and loved it, like, it's, I've never seen anything like it where the fan base is kind of evenly distributed over how they thought interpreted the ending, and mm-hmm. bo- usually one camp likes it, one camp doesn't sure yeah Uh, this can't like both everyone kind of seemed to like whether you what you decided to believe happened in the final episode and in the final season largely left up to your individual interpretation your life experiences and your relationship to the show and they were all equally satisfying yeah that's fucking hard to do that's a big risk that the whole team took and they fucking blew the doors off of it the leftovers amazing show 2017 Uh, We are going on to Best Male Actor. Uh, Jim, this is your envelope. I believe it is. Uh, Let's talk about uh, the nominees. Uh, B.D. Wong as White Rose slash Zang in Mr. Robot. Bobby Cannavale as Irving in Mr. Robot. David Harbour as Chief Jim Hopper in Stranger Things. David Thewlis as V.M. Varga from Fargo. Gary Carr as CC. Uh, from The Deuce, Jeff Daniels as Frank Griffin from Godless. Jude Law as the Pope from The Young Pope. Justin Thoreau as Kevin Garvey Jr. And The Leftovers, Michael McKean as Chuck from Better Call Saul. Noah Schnapp as Will Byers from Stranger Things 2. Jim with the envelope. What, what how, how do we make out here? This, I'm, one's I'm on, on, this one's really well sealed. I'm on pins I and needles.
1: I don't know if this one's coming open. <laughs>
0: Uh oh, the suspense, the crowds murmuring. They want to know
1: who fucking won. And the winner of the twenty seventeen Bald Move Award for Best Male Actor goes to Justin Thoreau as Kevin Garvey Jr. for the leftovers. Justin, Justin Thoreau. Very just, good. Just Amazing job, Justin. Just, uh, uh. Yeah. No, it's it's tough to take anything away from him. I will say he was working across the table from the best actress. Of bald moves, 2017 Baldies. Yep. Uh, so maybe he had a little crutch to lean on there, but he also he also rocked it. Uh, he also was. I mean, Justin Thoreau from
0: the first season to the end was just fully amazing and never gave a false note. He mm-hmm. was he was badass in some scenes. He was contemptible. He was miserable. He was pitiable. He was inspiring. He was so many different things. And it's Justin Thoreau who. I'd only noticed from like weirdo roles he had and like Zoolander and shit previously. Right. Like I was just completely unprepared for how amazing and, and beautiful a creation he made of, of Kevin Garvey jr. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I can't, I, I, I cannot say enough good about all this show. God damn. Um, Shall we go to the big screen to talk about the other results? Yeah, sounds good. Uh, David Thewlis, VM
1: Varga in Fargo. What do you want to say about David? Uh, David is the only actor on television this year that made me physically ill. Yeah. <laughs> With his performance. His villainy in Fargo, his sheer
0: the sheer banality of his evil, mm-hmm. the the chillingness of it, the, the off-putting affectations of his character uh i mean i it defies description like you have to watch the show uh to to understand what we're talking about because to me he is the he's probably the greatest villain i've seen on television since like breaking bad like i have to go to like gus fring to think of a better more terrifying more well-realized uh, uh a character and it largely rests on david thewlis who i've also seen be incredibly warm and in mentoring mm-hmm. in uh you know like fucking harry potter so like yeah just playing just 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 playing outright villain um it's been like since like fucking dragonheart
1: <laughs> since dragonheart?
0: i've seen him play like a just complete shit huh and this is a com- this is yeah. a much more complete shit Oh, yeah. Uh, I used to hate David Thulis, Like, really? Like, him being in Dragonheart and then in the, uh, he was also in do- uh, uh, the Island of Dr. Moreau. Hmm. Uh, just like, who is this guy? What is this goofy redheaded fuck? What is going on? <laughs> and you have completely proved me wrong in the last decade with Professor Lupin and uh, V.M. Varga. Uh, let's talk about B.D. Wong as White Rose slash Zhang in Mr. Robot
1: yeah uh an incredible dual character performance here uh there were a lot of dual character performances this year uh this in my opinion was the best because it was the hardest to pull off i think um yeah. and and it's it's played by bd wong the, the white rose zhang um counterparts are played with such seriousness right. um it never feels like one of them is given short shrift you know or like they cast him to play one of those characters but not the other yeah uh he so effortlessly blends into the two that i I mean i lose that character i lose that actor in that character yeah Beatty wong is a
0: gay man playing a trans woman playing a straight chinese foreign minister Yes. And <laughs> at, at the, times the, playing all the those the differences yeah. <laughs> between those characters and the work he does vocally and mm-hmm. like with physicality um and the fact that none like it's not ridiculous like that mm-hmm. that's a role that could fucking be ridiculous if it Absolutely. was played slightly false and it's 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 great. It's just such a it's and I can't believe this is the guy who was flipping dinosaur eggs in Jurassic Park. Yeah. Like, that's literally the one thing I've ever seen him in. 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, there you go. Jude Law is the Pope mm-hmm. uh, for the young Pope. I, again, I, it, I... He makes that performance feel effortless, doesn't he? he and it's 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 really complicated, because he's tormented. He's also childish. He's yeah. also... Uh, he's pious. He's also vulgar. Like, there's so many things. He, he's petty. And officious, but also funny and warm. Uh, he, Jude Law is all things to all people in The Young Pope, or at least for this person. Mm-hmm. Um, I freaking love it. And then the double-dipping for Mr. Robot, Bobby Cannavale. <sighs> yeah. Uh, He's a monster. I first saw Bobby Cannavale in, I think, Season 3 of Boardwalk Empire playing an insane a- Italian hitman, essentially. Mm-hmm. And I've seen him also since then in a lot of different... Like, he plays a goofy, like, MILF hunter in The Station Agent. Yeah. And I've seen him play, like, uh, like a lot... He's like, he's much more of a character actor than I initially presumed. And here, like, he's able to kind of bring all those threads together, and he plays this kind of, this He plays a used car salesman who's also an accessory to the Dark Army, this, this mm-hmm. underground Chinese hacker sect, ruthless hacker sect, that's built around the cult of BD Wong um and you know there's like a lot of twists and turns in that that whole relationship too yeah super cool mm-hmm. good job bobby uh, let's talk about the community uh community again stands with one uh good job 39 39 of the vote for his work on kevin garvey jr and the leftovers so say we all mm-hmm. michael mckean uh who was number seven on our list got 14 percent of the uh vote as uh, the living embodiment of the hashtag "fuck Chuck" uh-huh. and better call Saul. Um, he deserves it. He, des- uh, he was, it he's was real
1: good. Great performance, yeah. Real
0: good. Uh, David Thewlis, uh number two on our list. Number three in the community's heart, eight percent with his role as the evil Varga on Fargo. Uh, Sheriff David Harbor. Uh, <laughs> Sheriff Jim <laughs> Har- Hopper, played by David Harbor on uh, Stranger Things, two seven percent. And Noah Schnapp as Will Byers on Stranger Things too at six percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, David Harbour's a really cool guy. I can't wait to see him in Hellboy. He is like a big teddy bear, but he's also like a badass, and he's also like a really good dad struggling with a rebellious teenage daughter who has unfathomably powerful mind powers. It's there's a lot there's a lot in that role that's interesting. And poor poor
1: Noah Schnapp playing poor Will Byers. Yeah, he's the series punching bag. He is. I'm still waiting for him to join the boys on an adventure.
0: He, he gets stuffed in an internet, interdimensional locker in season one uh-huh. and is seen from for like 30 seconds. And in this season, he's just he's tortured just by an
1: <laughs> interdimensional demon. Like I'm seeing yeah.
0: a little kid play just sheer existential dread and torment since like Hallie Jo Osment uh-huh. in, uh, in the, the, the Sixth Sense. Yeah. Like that same kind of a haunted quality. And uh, again, how are you so young and you are so good? um i suspect some kind of satanic ritual and foul play uh we should move on to the next uh next category yeah uh this is uh high wait we already did highest stakes biggest yeah. risk i'm on the wrong screen we are now ready for worst disappointment uh let's do this bottom up number five alien covenant jim would you like to talk
1: about that uh man alien covenant is just a series of unfortunate events. This is a, a series of stupid events. Yeah, big risk. Like, big risk, uh, high stakes, fell on your face. Absolutely. I mean, it, it relies, its plot relies on every character doing incredibly stupid things. And I get it. It's a horror movie. But I thought Aliens was more than that. Um, and I was... An, at, I was, an, Alien was more than that as I a was an apologist for Prometheus because I thought right.
0: that there was some really cool big ideas and some interesting things about... I don't know science fiction that Ridley Scott was capable of saying, and I was thinking the alien covenant was going to be the thing that brought it all together and also
1: simultaneously brought it back to its roots as a scary alien film. And it did nothing. I I think there was some interesting stuff in there. Like uh, with, um, what's, what's his name? The, the Android. Oh yeah. uh, Aspender. Yeah. With Aspender being like this ultimate evil monster. Uh-huh. I thought there was some kind of cool stuff Another in there some role. cool ideas. Another dual role. Is a data That's true. lore data role uh, lore. Role? It was, yeah. Um but ultimately that movie just fell apart for yeah. me. Like the characters
0: were impossible to sympathize with yeah. because they're all literally the stupidest people uh born of man and woman. Right. Like and everyone should know better. Yeah, it's it's like every single it's like Trying to emotionally connect the teenagers in a Friday the Thirteenth movie. Right. You're rooting for the bad. I, I you start rooting for the robot and the monsters, and I'm not sure that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, uh Suburbicon. Suburbicon was a massive disappointment because I missed the first showing because my car broke down, uh and I heroically moved my schedule around so I could see the show and and do it like on a Monday makeup. And it's had a huge pedigree. It's directed. It's written by the Coen Brothers. It stars Matt Damon. It's directed by George Clooney. How the hell can all that go wrong? Well, you'd have to watch Suburbicon to find out Like, what a really oblivious, wrong-headed take on racism in America and the quiet desperation of a 50s sub... I mean, there's there's one good thing about this movie, and it's the little boy's performance. Um, and I can't really say any more of that massive spoilers, but Suburbicon it should have been better given who 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 made it.
1: Hmm.
0: Uh let's talk about Gold.
1: Yeah, Gold Gold's a tough one. Um I I think it had a really exciting concept for me. Um like this idea of uh kind of the creation of an empire by one one guy like it's, it's a lot of the stuff that i you know in my most aspirational moments i think oh maybe we could do this kind of thing with bald move right yeah um and, and the scenario like being in this south american country um where governments can essentially uh do whatever the hell they want mm-hmm. and they can roll in on businesses and say we are the business now um how do you how do you fight those sorts of things and i I think they touched on a lot of that stuff, but they never really went all in on it. And I I was looking for a little bit more out of this movie, so it was pretty disappointing. And you see, you know, uh Matthew
0: McConaughey and you want him to do well.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean,
0: I was hoping this movie is going to be the fusion of like Indiana Jones romancing the stone and Wolf of Wall Street. And yeah. it, it was not. It, it it was I mean, it wasn't not. It reminded me a lot of like uh, Monument Men. Like it's mm-hmm. kind of an interesting story that's told in the blandest, most paint-by-numbers, boring way possible. Yeah. Like, how do you make a story about this crackpot team of World War II guys that are trying to save all these priceless works of art in front of the, the the, the Nazi horde? Uh. Well, watch Monument Men to see it done. And the same thing. How do you tell the swashbuckling story of this guy who's who is a geologist and he's looking he's he's literally a gold hunter? And mm-hmm. well, watch the movie. Uh, Cure for Wellness. Ooh, this third act is is one of the worst third acts I've seen all year. I, I remember when I, this first came in a radar. I saw the trailer and I I, t- I I texted you and I said, watch this trailer. It's the first movie since like The Matrix that gave me this kind of like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, crazy mind bending possibilities. Uh, the movie looks great. It's got a really interesting lead uh, young actor and as you say it completely falls down and punches itself in the dick in the third act yeah like it doesn't and that's the it thing. doesn't know
1: what tone it's trying the to The whole strike. time
0: I'm thinking okay I I'm 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 engaged I'm interested I uh, they clearly want me to think this, but there's going to be some other thing. And then it's the, it's just the first thing, which is the and least interesting and thing. And it's weirder
1: and stupider, too. It's yeah. Like it's all of the, the bad things they can do in a third act.
0: Yeah, and all the tension that they have kind of been building over the first half of the film just 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 sinks and deflates like a shitty souffle. Yeah. Uh, and then we come to the Aronofsky disaster mother with an exclamation point
1: yeah the more i thought about this movie the less i liked it uh it's unfortunate because the reason why this is such a big disappointment is the pedigree behind it like you were saying about suburbicon right uh darren aronofsky has made one of my favorite films uh in requiem for a dream and i looked at this trailer and i said this has got to be crazy and this has got to be really good yeah um and it was crazy in a lot of respects it was crazy but it ultimately it was so obvious in its themes i think um but I mean, that's the thing the sub- when you take a second and you you stand back and say what is this movie doing it's kind of all on the surface and and i don't think that's what i was looking for out of this movie
0: no the subtext is screaming text in this case and he's yeah. made like you know black swan Wrecking for a dream the the wrestler some of my all-time Wrestlers favorite fantastic. movies through a, a pretty wide swath of, like, an emotional palette. Yeah. Uh, you know, something about the torment of being a ballerina and then also the torment of being a professional wrestler. What do those things With have in common? the torment of being a drug addict. <laughs> other other than they're just really great portrayals of the these roles and, and relentlessly watchable and interesting. And the mother, like, I was into it. Yeah. And, like, it looked beautiful, and I kept waiting for it to turn into something more than just, just lazy retelling of essentially a creation Myth of specific Judeo-Christian myth from uh, creation, uh, Judeo-Christian cr- Judeo-Christian creation myth mm-hmm. from the Bible, and it didn't. Like that's all there is to that movie,
1: and, and it. It had the moment from Darren Aronofsky where everything goes off the rails and you yeah. say what the hell is happening But you just didn't but care it didn't, at that point. Right. It didn't matter. It wasn't it wasn't enough to pull that movie out. Like if I
0: gave a a a, a one shit about Jennifer Lawrence or Javier Bardim in that film, I would have been like probably super in but there's no reason to care because these characters are such archetypes and like the the fucking Jungian sense of the word, uh-huh. like a mother. It is a she is a mother. Yeah. And he is this f- creator father God. And who cares? Yeah. It's a disappointment. It, and and and, and I, I was pissed off watching it. Uh, let's talk about return to form. Uh, so this is this is for a category for shows and movies that took a stumble and you're ready to write them off. Uh, but they get back up and they impress you. They yeah. they are they good they, they they had a they a get the little, of the tiger little slump, but they come back like Rocky mm-hmm. and they fucking beat Drago. They beat Mister T eventually. Beat
1: everyone apparently. They beat them all
0: yeah. um, except for Creed. Uh, number five. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Again, always sunny has never sucked but the last few seasons in my mind were starting to get pretty treadmilly and relying way too much on Charlie's bird law Mm -hmm. kind of like self-referential. Oh, here's the McPoyle episode and just didn't have anything new or fresh or interesting to say. And for whatever reason, this final season, they, they had the creative juices going and it was both hysterical and kind of thought provoking as far as these crazy ass
1: comedies go and just, just really funny. Um, I haven't seen it yet because I wait to catch him on Netflix but Yeah,
0: so you when the new season comes out which I mean there's it a whole, be it's like a cold yeah. shit show because like they still are they don't know whether Glenn Howerton's coming back and in mm. what role if he's just going to be behind the scenes or cuz he left uh uh Dennis left the show. Yeah. at the end of last season and what are they going to do with all that? I don't know. It's just it's
1: interesting. Uh Star Trek Discovery. Yeah, we kind of talked about this already, but Star Trek had a big lull for for me, especially because I was not a huge fan of the new movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you, I think the first one, it, it had enough of of what, I guess what I was looking for in a Star Trek reboot, which is the actors kind of nailing the roles. And they did. They, they, nailed, the, the they fucking cast nailed it was amazing. Yeah. But I ultimately was not interested in the stories they were telling with those right. new movies. So for right. me, those are kind of absent. And then you look back at Voyager and Enterprise, and those are shit shows, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, Star Trek has had a very long run of being bad mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to television. So Star Trek Discovery coming back was surprising that it was even passable as a as a TV show I would want to watch.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, and we'll probably have more coverage. I know we cut we did a few bald move TVs on that. I think when we get all caught up with it, we would like to talk about it in total. But like yeah. you know, we're very impressed. Uh, Spider Man Homecoming. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spider-Man had been abused by Sony for a long time with endless meaningless reboots with uh, Sam Raimi increasingly being detached from the process like Spider-Man 2 was one of the best superhero movies of all time and then Spider-Man 3 was not and then the Amazing Spider-Man series just got off I didn't even see the second one I see every fucking comic book movie ever made and I did not see Amazing Spider-Man 2 with Jamie Foxx as a bolt of a lightning or whatever fuck okay (laughs) Spider-Man Homecoming was magical like yeah. it's 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 better than all the other Spider Men that came before it, and those Spider Men were pretty fucking good. A couple of them, yeah. You find a you find a kid that can actually play a teenage Peter Parker and nail that kind of like weird devil may care kind of like patter. You cast an aging uh, a Batman slash Birdman as the Vulture, mm-hmm. uh, uh, f- f- Michael Keaton. It's it's just I mean like Marvel like the, Marvel movies are always good but this one was like one of the special ones. It's like the first Iron Man, the first Avengers, where it's I think I think it's great. Uh, two Fargo.
1: Uh, yeah, Fargo had a um, not quite as strong season two. Like no, season one was really great. Season two is good. There's this one part yeah.
0: where it It's like a horse that threw us, man,
1: yeah, that I think it's the ninth episode or something yeah, it's, it really just kicked me off the back of it. I'm not even saying even bad want to get back on
0: because a lot of people enjoyed it, but right. it just for us was like just such a a wrong headed fish nato seventwen thirty seven 20, over a b q moment that uh, it really. I started. I started worrying about Noah Hawley in general. Uh, like, like, what is he? Is he just like a fucking brainless? Is he just a slightly more sophisticated uh, Scott Gimple that he just can brainlessly remix better things, right? And it fools people because it's aping the Coen Brothers style, and they've got such a diverse, amazing catalog that if you cherry pick the best moments and shove them in the one thing. It's so unusual and weird that people are going to watch it. Mm-hmm. Fargo season three started down that path it did yeah but right around episode three completely elevated and and uh, you know with great villains uh, great casting great performances something important I think to say about our present point in history and our relationship with money and truth uh, stunning return to form
1: yeah I agree finally mr. robot mr. robot's the most obvious one broken I mean, record time I really did not like season two yes I um, like I said, to the point where we weren't sure if we were going to cover it if season three was bad. Uh, so for season three to be one of the best things I watched this year, uh, that's a serious return to form in my mind. Yep.
0: Uh, which brings us to the return of the form of the end of the podcast or the end of the award ceremony, which is the opening of the best 2017 Bald Move Award for best drama.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Jim, would you like to read the...
1: Uh, Would you like to read the categories in in alphabetical order? The nominees? Absolutely. The nominees for Bald Moves 2017 Best Drama are The Deuce, The Expanse, Fargo, Game of Thrones, Godless, Handmaid's Tale, Mr. Robot, The Leftovers, Stranger Things 2, and The Young Pope. And the the winner is... The leftovers
0: is 2017 Bald Move Overall Best Drama Award winner the most prestigious category
1: well deserved i mean yeah can we
0: can we heap any more
1: praise yeah, upon
0: I, this show i mean once
1: you say it's now your all-time favorite show no no there's no Have more you done any praise because be like, you what, what uh, is this, it this your, thing is it your favorite I, show did it dethrone breaking bad if i had not wa- gone back and watched the pilot like the opening 10 minutes of breaking bad uh-huh I would probably declare, yes, it is, in fact, my f- new favorite show. Mm-hmm. But now, like... Have you seen the episode a, called International Assassin, Jim? I have seen that episode. You have, okay. Multiple times, okay. as a matter of fact. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's, it's first it's ten just, minutes of Breaking Bad, okay. All right. They're different things. <laughs> they're different things. That is they're true. both amazing. Uh, I, I love them both equally. Um, my, my children. So are they... You're saying they're 1A and 1B, Sure. Which is 1A. In no particular order. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: Let's see. Let's go. Let's talk about the number two, Stranger Things 2. Um, You know, that's the thing is I thought the leftovers just run away and be like head and shoulders above. But like shows kept being good. Uh, Stranger Things 2 is an amazing show that were, I mean, like like these next four would have been tougher and I would have probably struggled with them more except for the leftovers of such the obvious win. Yeah. But Stranger Things 2 mr robot which is our third one the deuce which is number four and fargo number five those today i mean they're almost interchangeable um it, it depends on what you like and probably what generation you're born into and your affinity for technology and david simon shit but based on what you like more because you can't go wrong all of these all these shows in the top five are just amazing yeah. Uh, a couple things that narrowly like the you know Game of Thrones, who's perennially in our top ten top five frequently win you know getting the top crown mm-hmm. just barely eked out a number ten list that's part Game of Thrones stumbling it's part these other shows just really uh you know pouring on steam, but what a great year for television, yeah, what a great year for television and what's so funny is we went back to last year because there's a lot of shows that didn't didn't make it last year, like the leftovers. Didn't make the cutoff, but like it, it this this top five would have kicked a shit out of top ten of last year. Absolutely. Uh, let's talk about the community choice. Uh, let's go to the big screen and look at that. Uh, so we've got the community forty percent votes. The leftovers, is the number one show. I'm shocked. All right, I'm shocked Be- because our the, audience, the Game of Thrones juggernaut, this Game yeah. of Thrones audience, like. The Leftovers audience is way bigger than I possibly expected. Sure. I mean, we had It like, became our third biggest show this we year. We had 10% of the total audience yep. for this show listening to this goddamn podcast, which <laughs> yeah. is crazy. It's crazy. We had 100,000 people watching, listening to this thing, off of like a million people watching. Mm-hmm. Game of Thrones has, a, like depending on who you believe, 15 to 100 million people watching and got 19% of the vote, which, again, you know... And, and it's a it did take a stumble this year, It had some problems rounding into what I assume the Double Ds want to be the final shape. Mm -hmm. It's still an entertaining season with a lot of great moments. It is. Um, And that reflects in the community vote. We have a massive audience for that show, and it's a great show, 19%. Uh, They also said Stranger Things, Mr. Robot, and The Handmaid's Tale, which is number seven on our list. That's a respectable community top five as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh,
0: And it's not that much different from our top five other than... Game of Thrones being being re- overrepresented. Uh, also, there was um, there are four votes for other. Uh, two of them were for Westworld and the OJ Simpson story, which were not even eligible for this year's. No, Westworld did we, didn't did, air did, this year. Did, did, we, did we remember to um, do, do the uh, the comedy? Shoot, I just did a bunch of fancy. It's a bunch of fancy camera moves that it's not that's not that catch up on. Um, did we do the 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 Did we do the community choice on comedy? We did, didn't we? I actually think... I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we actually threw that because I was worried when I saw the community choice on that that we'd forgotten. Um, but I actually put them on the list because I, I know myself. I know myself really well. Uh, so it's it's interesting. I, so I want to say, first of all, congratulations to the leftovers and all of our winners. Uh, second of all, like this was the first time we did like a write-in type of strategy. And next year, because what I saw is I wonder if some of these write-ins would have done better um, because it's like... You know, you, you're just eyes going through all these shows and then you got other and like if you're not immediately have a show like, oh, my God, I can't believe they didn't do Veep or, oh, my God, I can't believe they didn't do Curb or, oh, my God, I can't like if if that's just not right in your forefront, you're probably going to select one of the, uh, the 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 main options. Right. I think next year I'd like to do a two step process where we just have, you know, a nominee like you just guys just just as a blank text box for these six categories you tell us who you think are the best ones or your top ten, five and then we can take the community voting from that because i don't think it's fair to put stuff like veep and curb and some of these other uh like like uh what's that the the good place and have them compete with sh- shit that's just like right there that you just got to click a, ra- a radio button
1: on yeah no, that's a lot a barrier to entry for in stuff right
0: um, but yeah, no, thanks for uh for watching or listening to our uh 2017 Baldies Awards. It was a great year for television. Uh I'm hoping that 2018 will continue the trend of being another great year for television and we will be back next year for the 5th annual actual gala celebration. Yeah. All I promise is that there will be some gold bust that vaguely resembles Patrick Stewart. That has the four previous winners for each category and, and they'll be awesome. And we'll show we'll show them off. We'll show the the Stewie, this this the, the Patrick. We haven't decided like what's the official Yeah. I think it's the Patrick. I mean the Baldy is a pretty
1: pretty easy one. But... Yeah,
0: and he is a Baldy. Yeah. You bring home the gold baldy and that's what you get. So maybe it should be platinum. Platinum? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: really set ourselves out yeah. from the crowd. Yeah, the Oscars gold. Pfft, yeah. We're doing Iridium. <laughs>
0: You can launch these things into space, baby. Uh, All right. Thanks uh, for joining us for the award show. Uh, We'll be back next year. Thanks for uh, making 2017 another great year for us. And uh, we'll see what happens in 2018. See everybody. Good night. Tip your waiters. Bye. Prime ribs, usually good. Bye.